Okay, uh, we are back for uh, Arrow chapter and verse episode six, and we're talking about Arrow season four episode twenty one, Monument Point. Bunch of stuff going on. Uh, I don't think I mentioned in the last episode where I talked about the Arrow that uh, Damian Dark managed to get his hands on Rubicon, which is a program that Amanda Waller developed for Argus that prevents nuclear war from happening. Essentially, it has all the launch codes or something, and it tells all the nukes not to launch. Well, Damien Dark has, of course, hacked it in a manner of, it seems, minutes to reverse that process so that now it tells everything to launch. So now we need to stop the nukes from launching, because otherwise all the nukes are going to launch, and uh, Hive is going to destroy the world and remake it in its own image. So, of course, we need a super hacker, and Felicity Smoke is not up to the job, but you know who is? Her dad, Noah Cutler, the calculator, who is uh, a villain. Um, and they go, uh, part of the show is going to find him. They are not the only people looking for him. Uh, Damien Dark has sent people out to look for him. Brick and Murmur, or whatever the guy's name is, it's sewn his lips shut. Uh, it was nice to see Vinnie Jones again. It's always sort of a treat to see Vinnie Jones come on something and be a, be a villain. Um, he's just fun that way. So, uh, they, uh, find out, thanks to Felicity's mom, that a, the name of something that's mentioned in a root directory is a cabin where Noah and Felicity's mom, Donna, used to spend a lot of time and it has some sentimental value. Now, somehow the bad guys have figured that out first, which is weird because they don't have access to Donna, but I guess they just did a bunch of Googling and they figured out where he was. So, um... Green Arrow and uh, Spartan show up just as just after the bad guys are shooting at Noah, and there's a bunch of fisticuffs and shooting arrows and fighting and punching and whatnot, and of course they get away with Noah, and they take him back to the lair, and he starts working on how to make sure that Rubicon doesn't actually uh, start nuclear war. The problem is, it looks like he needs something from Felicity's company. And Felicity goes to her company to get it and finds out that she is, in fact, not the CEO anymore because the board decided that they wanted to make money on the thing that could make people walk and not give it away. I don't understand how corporate culture works. I guess if you're the board, you can fire the CEO or what have you. It's just it's 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 weird to me. But this is a thing that happens. I, I don't want to say frequently on the show, but a, a fair amount of time, like, it happened to Oliver. He got voted out. Uh, well, he didn't get voted out. He handed over control to somebody else, and then she locked him out. It's it's a whole thing. Anyway, uh, I'm not a business guy, so there you go. So Felicity then needs that they're going to need, they're going to, Felicity then realizes that they're going to need to stage a heist in order to get the thing. So five minutes later, they're heisting, and... Uh, they go to get the thing, and they realize they can't get the thing, and Felicity's dad pulls out a couple of devices and says, all right, that's fine, it's a processor, I can download what I need on Wi-Fi. Now, I'm not a computer guy, uh, much like I'm not a business guy, but in order to download something from the Wi-Fi, I believe that both things, the thing that you are downloading onto and the thing from which you are downloading, need to be connected to the Wi-Fi. And this processor was just in a, like, a safe, basically, not connected to anything. So that's pretty impressive. Also, um, it's a processor. It processes things at a particular speed. 
I don't think that downloading the operating system from the processor is going to help do the thing that the processor would do. Uh, anyway, but that's that's what was happening there. Uh, there's also there was a bit of a subplot with um, Donna Smoke, Felicity's mom, and Quentin Lance. Uh, Sarah and Laura's dad, they've been uh, romantically involved <laughs> since they first met each other uh, back a few episodes. I'm kind of surprised that that relationship hasn't been used as leverage at all, but it hasn't. I, I don't expect both of them to survive the season, although it would be nice if the Arrowverse writers wanted to surprise me and just sort of let um, Quentin Lance sort of fade gently into the sunset as his daughter who was on the show is no longer in the show and he's not in the police anymore and it'd be great if he and Felicity's mom could just go back to Vegas and be guest stars every now and again. Um, I would like that. I don't think I'm going to get that, but I, I would like to see that. Uh, there's a bit of a subplot there where apparently there's an affidavit that um, Quentin can sign saying that he didn't know that his daughter was Black Canary and for some reason they're going to let him back into the police after that, after he admitted working with Damien Dark. Uh, again, there's a lot of things I'm not a guy of, uh, and I'm not a cop guy. I don't know how that works. But I suspect that if you're a police captain and you admit to working with somebody who is in jail for kidnapping and then breaks out, I, I bet you don't get your position back by signing a letter uh, saying that you didn't know that your daughter was a vigilante. Um, Donna doesn't want him to do this. She she think, she knows it's lying, and she thinks it's it's basically tarnishing Laurel's memory and all this other stuff, and she trusts him to do the right thing. So eventually he takes the affidavit and he writes on it, I knew, and I approved, and I thought it was good, and then he signs it, and they're, they're all good. And that's, that's all wrapped up, I want to say, within like the first 10 minutes of the show. Um, there's also a bit of a subplot where Thea, trapped in Hive's arc, has to fight Anarchy, um, who is, uh, well, he, he's a villain, but he doesn't like Damien Dark that much, so he's also fighting Damien Dark, because Anarchy has somehow made his way into this highly secure compound, and since it's underground, he's about to do something with the, to their ventilation systems, uh, which is bad, so Thea and Malcolm go to find him, Thea starts talking him down off the ledge, Malcolm shoots him, Thea's like, why did you do that? I was talking him down, and Malcolm says, yes, but were you talking down these bombs? I think not. So uh, he and Thea fight, uh, she goes outside, she finds Alex, her date, um, who of course has been brainwashed by Hive and thinks that everything that's happening is great, but it's still, you know, other than that, the same person. Uh, he is lying on the lawn, unconscious. Anarchy is making a speech about how Thea's not a pawn, she's a queen, and then he says, get it, because, for goodness sake, uh, you needed to lampshade an obvious pun that's been in the show before, I think. Anyway, so the, the speech that Anarchy gave didn't really make a whole lot of sense, um, given what was going on. But uh, she and he fight, and he gets the better of her long enough to go kill her boyfriend, and then she beats him up, and then that's that's the end of that. Now, time is running out for stopping the, uh, the bombs. Uh, apparently the bombs can only be stopped from a server farm because they've got to send these anti-launch codes individually for each missile. 
So Noah and Felicity are trying to do that. Felicity has to do something. Uh, she has to shut down the subnode, whatever that means. At this point, I think they're just like throwing stuff on the page and seeing what sticks. And then, of course, Noah Cutler, the calculator, is busy uh, counter hacking Rubicon. But something happens. There's a tapeworm in Rubicon that was put there by Hive. Again, Hive managed to do all this to this program in a very short amount of time. Uh, we never get to see their hackers, but I assume they also have a group of super hackers who are dedicated to hacking. It, it's you know, One of the things about these shows is that there seems to be somebody who is not just familiar with computers, but also a the best hacker of all time. Um Supergirl doesn't quite have this win. The IT guy does their computer stuff, and he's good at it, but he doesn't seem to be on the same level as Felicity. Uh, Cisco does seem to be on the same level as Felicity, which is a little, you know, it's like, okay, so on every team, we've got the person who can do anything they want with computers, which basically means they can do anything they want. Fine, good, great. Um, anyway, so what happens is uh, they manage to stop the uh, nuclear warhead, but the tapeworm tells Hive where they are, and apparently Hive has people stationed so that they can get anywhere they want in 90 seconds, and all the bad guys show up. Well, not all the bad guys, sorry. A bunch of Hive goons and Brick and Murmur, whatever his name is, show up again, and there's a bunch of shooting and fighting and fisticuffs and arrows and kicks and spin kicks and jumps and more fights and whatnot, and Murmur manages to somehow get inside the the building where uh, Felicity and the calculator are, and he shoots in the calculator, proving that he's a good father, covers Felicity, and he takes a wound in the arm, and it's, it's all very dramatic, and they get back up there like, hey, we managed to solve everything except for one nuke. There's one nuke that's going, and it's going to Monument Point, and... They're like, oh, all right. And then there's a beep, and Oliver says, what's that? And Felicity says, oh, that's right. I wrote this algorithm to figure out where on the lane line, ley line, the um, the bad guy's power, nexus of power might be. And look at that. It's uh, it's in City Hall. But it, there's a little more complicated than that, but they figure out that the nexus is in City Hall and that uh, Damien Dark is down there waiting to receive all the energy from the deaths at Monument Point that um, the nuke is going to cause. And Felicity realizes that she can fool the GPS to make it think that Monument Point is somewhere else, and she's doing it, and she's like, uh-oh, I'm going to move it 20 miles to the west, but 20 miles to the west there's another town that's smaller, and the nuke hits this small town, and it blows up. And Felicity asks how many casualties, and Lila tells her tens of thousands, but assures her that Monument Point would have been two million. So now Felicity's got that on her conscience, right? She saved Monument Point, but she doomed a, a small town, and she's going to blame herself for that, which is sort of unfair. She should be blaming Damien Dark. Now, Oliver and uh, and Spartan, Oliver and John Diggle, um, Green Arrow and Spartan, just to make everything equal, uh, go to City Hall, and they're poking around, and they find a secret passage leading to an underground cavern. Now, the secret passage is in a modern part of City Hall. It's uh, There's a ladder on the wall, and they push the ladder up, and the wall sort of you know pushes back into a rock, and there's a tunnel, and inside that tunnel there's this power nexus. So what I want to know is who in Starling City was the magic user 
in the recent past who constructed this because Hive hasn't had the time. Unless their super hackers are also super contractors, and in the same five minutes that they hacked Rubicon, they uh, they carved out a, a cave behind and beneath City Hall and installed a secret passage to get there. Uh, I really, I really just don't know. Now I've seen some chatter online that people don't like season four of Arrow, and having watched most of season four of Arrow, I can kind of see why. Um, I do want to mention the uh, the backstory or the the flashback story again at this point. Uh, Ryder has the idol, and he's got power, and Oliver and the uh, the woman that he rescued are trying to get away, and they're shooting guards, and Ryder shows up, and, you know, he can't be killed, and he's unstoppable, and Oliver says grab the idol, and she grabs the idol, and they're running, and she says something's wrong, and the idol basically, her, her eyes start glowing, so the idol starts taking her over, and that's where we leave the flashback. Now, again, they're trying to time the flashback so that we get the climactic moment of the flashback at the same time we get the climactic moment of what's going on in the present. This is a device I don't think they need to use, and I think it actually weakens the story here. The flashback has just dragged on and on and on. There was a dude um, that, you know, it was clear that at some point he and Oliver were going to fight and Oliver was going to kill him, and that dude stayed alive for a very long time before the fight actually happened, and it was just dumb. Uh, I don't know why they feel the need to do this, but again, I, I don't think it helps any. So when we leave our heroes, Damien Dark has apparently managed to capture the deaths of the people... Um, from the nuke. I, I don't know how uh, most of the time, if you're going to sacrifice something to an idol, you, you usually need the sacrifice to be in the same room as the idol, but in this case, I guess uh, Damien Dark has, uh, you know, uh, Vixen, when she was on, referred to the ley lines as magical Wi-Fi, so perhaps he tapped into that and just downloaded the, the death energy uh, from the nuclear strike into his idol. Um, I'm somewhat surprised that other practitioners of the dark arts did not do that for themselves, but there you go, Damien Dark was ready, and now he looks like he's super powerful and his eyes are glowing and whatnot. Now, again, I just want to stress that the idol was broken, and then Oliver and company decided to put it together like a 3D puzzle and keep it in their lair for some reason. Um, and again, this is this is weak storytelling. There was no reason for them to do that other than for this to happen, and if this is going to happen, then it's better than they, they never had the idol in the first place. It just makes everybody look dumb um, if Damien's going to get the idol back. Now, of course, we all know that they're going to find a way to break the idol because there are several more seasons of Arrow, which wouldn't happen if Damien Dark were still around. I understand that he becomes a villain on Legends of Tomorrow uh, because I guess the theme on Legends of Tomorrow is we need, we need ever more smug villains um, to fight us on the show, but uh, I, I believe that this is this is going to be the only season that he's on Arrow, and again, I'm really, I'm really happy about that. Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's been around for a while. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He does really good work, but the, the character is just so tooth-achingly smug that it, uh, it hurts a little bit to watch. So, all right, that's going to end uh, this episode of uh, Arrow chapter and verse. And uh, looks like next episode, of course, is going to be Legends tomorrow. So hope you're there for that. And I hope you've enjoyed everything so far. I have to mention that I haven't been editing these. These are all raw audio, and I'm not sure how to fix that at this point. But I can't imagine that anybody is actually going to listen to this unless they specifically ask me. I'm not really going to post this anywhere. So um, 
to my listener, whoever you might be. Uh, I, I hope you're having a good time, and I'll see you at the next episode.